0: known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to today's show. Today I'm going to be talking about I decided I needed to do a little review of things on the internet, particularly on um, YouTube, and I was looking at this person came on talking about, it, well, it was, happened to be a Facebook post, and I went, what in heaven's name is this person talking about? They were talking about sporting, or what they will sometimes refer to as female ejaculation. So I thought, well, I'll just look at what information is being put out there Four people, and I, I don't suppose it should come as any shock to you that they're going to tell you all of these things that they are capable of doing, uh, It's invariably an N of one, meaning only they are the people who are involved in this. But what they are going to do is supposedly teach you, and then you sign up for their, yeah, you got it, the Pussy Pleasure Class. Sure enough, that's what it was called. And this woman is talking about she has part accurate information, part not, talking about that it could be, here's, here's what my awareness is for female ejaculation. It is invariably, as a result, both women and men have two sets of sexual nerves in the pelvis, in the pelvic area, that can be stimulated. For women, there is the, the clitoral nerve area and that is a completely different nerve system than the pelvic hypogastric, which is the one that's up further into the vaginal vault. So the pudendal nerve is the one that enervates on either side of the clitoris. And I'll tell you, I use a model when I go and do my presentations at UCLA so that people can see exactly, not a live model, but a plastic model, who I call Jean Thiel, and to show the actual placement of where the nerves would be. Because when people are going through medical school, because these are med school graduates, some of them, and some of them are marriage family therapists, and others are marriage family counselors, children counselors, um, MSCCs. I'm mixing up my uh, acronyms here. Anyway, what is important is they can actually see what is going on with this. So... Sometimes people will say that with female ejaculation that it is stimulation of, they're they're not saying how someone's getting stimulated, but they're just saying a woman is being stimulated. Well, generally speaking, it is when there's very deep vaginal stimulation along the pelvic hypogastric nerve. And when that happens, there is that, and, and, the G-spot itself is not in the vaginal vault. It's actually above it. So on the belly button side, it's actually above it. So that's why that nerve system, pelvic and the pelvic hypo below gastric, below the stomach, pelvic hypogastric nerve. That's why it requires firmer stimulation. And for many women, when it occurs, the, the ejaculation occurs, it occurs before... The orgasm. It does not occur at the moment of orgasm. Some people will say that it does, but for when I've spoken specifically to women who say that they ejaculate, they say it happens before. And I use the work of uh, Santa Maria Cabello, who was a, a Spanish researcher who did work in the area of female ejaculation. And what he looked at was women who, there was no, uh, these women had not been sexually active with a man, you know, in a period of time, so there was no fluid, no, you know, male ejaculate inside of uh, their vaginas. And he looked at what it was that, what type of stimulation was doing it. And invariably it was the firm upper vaginal vault stimulation. And when they did, ejaculate or when there was the flow. Porn basically came up every time you're going to see something new that has never been done before or comes out as new. Invariably, it's, it's a new area of porn films. And squirting films got their big kick, you know, 10, 12 years ago. But what they, and again, the performance type thing of what porn is. And I've got a porn statistic that I have to say made me smile. Big time. Anyway, I'll go into that in a moment. So when a woman is being stimulated, this firm vaginal vault stimulation, now, there can be a flow. There can be, you know, uh, just some drops. I know one gentleman was telling me of his girlfriend who she literally would soak the bed. And he said, so what I'd have to do is literally put a towel underneath her hips because he said there was that much. And, you know, the thing is, this is something that sometimes women will be told, oh, you just peed on me. Well, it's not urine. That's the thing. This is what Santa Maria Cabello tested. That's why these women who came to him and were doing this in his, his lab area, they were showing that there was, no, um, there was no male ejaculate with them, and it was also, it was not urine, because when he tested it to see if it was, Urine, it wasn't. Now, it can be clear. It can be buttery. This is how some people would describe the taste of it. It can be sweet depending on the person's own body chemistry in the same way that your body chemistry is very much impacted by any of the food or drink that you have, which is why people always say, and if you are listening, listen very clearly, food is your drug. It it truly is. It is your number one drug. It is what feeds you. It is what feeds every cell in your body. So, Santa Maria Cabello did this research and said that it was the stimulation of that upper nerve system, the pelvic hypogastric, and that this fluid was not urine. It was a different component part. So different that when tested again, it contained PSA, Prostatic specific antigen, which is the reason why it was very important that these women had not been with a man, so there was no semen that was being tested. This fluid came solely from the woman's body, so that's why they refer to the stimulation of the female prostate. Now, whether that is the um, the Skane's glands or the Bartholin glands, but it is along the upper vaginal vault, and for those women who do enjoy G-spot stimulation, the firm stimulation on the upper vault, they refer to it as feeling like a bearing down and pushing out, a much more um, a bigger overall body feel of an orgasm versus the stimulation of the clitoral area, which will feel more like a pulling up and in. And again, each person is unique. I've said this before, I'll say it again. When we refer to each woman's orgasm, the uniqueness of it is referred to as her orgasmic fingerprint. And looking at things online that are telling you that this is what you're supposed to be having or these are the things you're supposed to experience, is like telling you, because sexuality is an appetite, let's be completely candid, but it is like telling you that you are supposed to taste things the same way someone else does. The sensations of our bodies and how our bodies operate in space are completely unique to us. They are not like necessarily your sister or your friend. And in the same way that you might prefer things, you know, a wine that tastes this way or something that tastes that way or a scent that is a different smell, the nerves of, you know, your sexual pelvic nerves also... Have their own specific things that they like, which is also why when women age and women after they've had a child or if they've had, if they've been put on some form of medication or if they're on birth control pills, oral birth control, OBC, if they have had, if they've got a lot of stress in their life, are, their nerves are not going to act the same way necessarily throughout their entire lives. So, and it may be also that you require more stimulation or less stimulation. But the only thing, and I want people to know this, the only thing that determines what someone likes is you. Not someone saying, why didn't you have this happen like my partner, my former, my, all my other girlfriends had orgasms from this. I can tell you right now that is a bullshit answer and it's an absolute big fat lie <laughs> when I say it in my ladies' seminar. And I say, how about those men who say all of my girlfriends, my, all of my girlfriends have always orgasmed with this. The room bursts out laughing because they know it's flat out not the truth. And the other thing that I want people to know because we're going to talk a little more about orgasms, we're coming up to uh, my first break here, but that when you have what works for you, don't fake, because all that does is have you download someone else's information, and what it does is it's like handing someone a corrupt, you know, USB drive. It's not the right information. So when you are... And, and have conversations about what you might like to try before you get there and don't be under the influence of something. Then you're for sure not going to be able to feel sensation the way that you really probably would like to. Now, I then also went over after looking at all these different orgasms, you know, how a woman should orgasm. And I'm listening to these people going, really? I, it, it's the reason why I started doing my books in the first place. It's the reason why I started doing my whole thing of sex talk with Lou is because I was so tired of people getting beaten up by incorrect information. So, we're coming up to 30 seconds here. Um, as I just said, we started the show off with talking about squirting. I did that one time before in this presentation, and the guy says, Whoa, not on a Saturday morning. I never expected that one. <laughs> I said, Well, at least it'll be an interesting Saturday morning. So, Uh, Please stay with me and I'll be back with more information about different types of orgasms.
2: in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where every spring we seem to get pummeled with hailstorms. What's another name for a thunderstorm? A cockeyed bob. The Guinness Book of World Records states the largest known hailstone in U.S. history was over 7 inches in diameter. That's almost the size of a soccer ball. The famous hailstone was found in central Nebraska in June 2003. But if we think the hail's bad here in Texas, I guess it's better than living in parts of Africa where they average 100 30 days of hailstorms each year other hail prone areas include india russia china and italy the aussies call hailstones drift ice glazed frost pancake ice and frost flowers i wonder how they measured hail before the invention of the golf ball it's i'm carolyn davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app too funny for words
1: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
2: The Mayo Clinic says one of the best strategies to combat excess weight in your child is to improve the diet and exercise levels of your entire family. This helps protect the health of your child now and in the future. Most excess weight is caused by kids eating too much and exercising too little. Children, unlike adults, need extra nutrients and calories to fuel their growth and development. So if they consume the calories needed for daily activities, growth, and metabolism, they add pounds in proportion to their growth. The children who eat more calories than needed gain weight beyond what's required to support their growing bodies. The CDC states that obese children and adolescents are more likely to become obese as adults. One study found that approximately 80% of children who were overweight at ages 10 to 15 years were obese adults at age 25. I'm Annette Hammond.
0: Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the orgasm show discussion. So, before the break, I had been talking um, concerning squirting orgasms, and then I also I was looking at stuff online and seeing how they were describing things for people, and when I wrote my book, The Big O, um, Orgasms, How to Have Them, Give Them, and Keep Them Coming, the reason I did is I had so many people ask me if their orgasms were okay or if they were having the right kind or if they were normal, and in the same way one of my mentors, Dr. Beverly Whipple, talked about this, is she said the reason that she went into research at Rutgers University in the area of orgasm, specifically for her, it was spinal cord injury uh, orgasms. So in other words, these were women who had had a spinal cord injury and they could still orgasm. And that's because the vagus nerve, which is now in the spinal column, carries the sensation through the body and up to the brain. So these women can orgasm. They just orgasm. They don't orgasm. They don't have it go up the spinal column. Anyways, what Beverly said to me is the reason she wanted to do her work is she wanted to validate what people were having happen from a scientific standpoint. So when I was looking at writing and when I do my seminars and talking to people about the different types of orgasms that women can have and the different types that men can have, It's not that I want people to get out a checklist and go, okay, I can have that one and that one, and I'm going to try on that one. No, this is more to validate if this is what is happening for you, so be it. That's great. And if it's not, then this is what your body likes. This is what your body prefers. And for many people, how they first learn what their body likes is from masturbating. So I'm just going to go, you know, I went back and I looked at some other things Online, And I thought, oh, I'll well, just check out another one of my favorite, because I think it's such complete crap, uh, videos on pickup artists. And I remember when they first came out, men were paying, you know, 3500 1500 for a weekend course to learn how to pick up women. Now, and you know how they practice this? They would practice it by going into a bar and hitting on drunk 21-year-olds. Well, that's a real skill set, mm-hmm. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? It's like, wow, you are really good at this. <laughs> and then the other thing that I think is just completely absurd is, and I've asked, I asked this one guy who was saying blah, 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 and I said, okay, so you have to take a course in order to pick up the woman. Great. Now, let's say you are able to pick up this woman and you actually get her to a hotel room or to your place or wherever, do you know what you're going to do next? Have you any clue of what to do? I mean, if you were so inept that you could not have a conversation with someone, how are you going to have a conversation with your body? I mean, that's what I find, like, staggering. You know, great, you got them there. Now what do you do? And he just kind of looked at me, and I said, but isn't that the whole goal of this? Isn't that your goal? I'm, he didn't really say another thing. But the important thing about these videos is be a discerning consumer. If you're looking at one person who is telling you what they do, great, that's fine for them. But if you're looking for something that might be applicable for you, you want a range of things. Now, another thing that you have to be aware of is the different types of orgasms that people are capable of having. Women and men can have various types of orgasms, and it really depends on the area that's getting stimulated. Now, many times, one or two areas may be being stimulated at the same time, and that's what will be referred to as a blended orgasm. But also, so let me just start. So for women, they can have an orgasm solely from this area of their body being touched, solely from... Uh, kissing from their mouth, okay? Then also solely from having their breasts or nipples stimulated. That's it. Um, And for some women, they like a lot. For some men, same thing. So we've got lips. We've got breast. Then obviously we have clitoris. Then we have the urethra. And if you know anything about the physiology of a woman's genitalia, they, if you look, if you know what a wishbone is coming off of a turkey, you know, and when you've had you know, Thanksgiving or if you happen to eat it at Christmas, that wishbone shape is the shape of what women's, a woman's clitoris is underneath the tissue in her vulva, and it's so it's deeper into the body, but it comes up and peaks to where the clitoris is that little tiny part. But that's just like the top of it. The rest of it runs down on either side of the entry into the vagina, the introitus, and It goes deeper into the body as well, which is why for some women, one side is more sensitive than the other side, either with masturbating with a vibrator or during intercourse. But the urethra at the top, right underneath the clitoris, is surrounded on three sides by the clitoris. So it makes sense that stimulation of that area, either with a thumb up against it, as some women enjoy, or back and forth with something, that area can become highly, highly sensitive. Then we have what is referred to as the G-spot, which is the, as I told, spoke before, it's an area inside of the vagina, up towards the belly button side. It's not in the vaginal wall. It's above it. So it requires firmer stimulation. And again, that's the pelvic hypogastric nerve. And then there's further up the vaginal vault, there's an area that is... Um, Referred to as the anterior fornix erotic zone, the AFE, and it's further back in and responds to a much uh, more delicate form of stimulation, with typically with light with fingers. Then we have anal orgasms, strictly from having the you know the uh, anus stimulated either with a hand, a mouth, a toy. Then we have blended orgasms. Talked about those. That could be having the clitoris being stimulated and the G-spot at the same time with a toy or with hands or with oral sex and then fingers on the inside. Then we have what is called a zone orgasm. And that is an orgasm that occurs when in an area that's not considered erogenous typically. So it's an area, like for some women, they will have it happen when they're having a massage like the back of the leg or the inside of their leg is being stroked. And they can feel the building of the orgasm, And then, but it isn't because someone's stimulating what would typically be considered to be an erogenous zone, breasts, um, genitals, mouth. And then we also have a core coregasm. And how this first started coming about is when people were doing very strong core work. And as a result of all the the increase of yoga and Pilates, more people were having this happen. And it's something that when research has been done uh, on women who have experienced this and men, but for the women typically this study was done, they would have been doing some very strong uh, aerobic exercise. And we know that blood and oxygen powers orgasms. That's what drives them, which is why when women are pregnant and there's more blood and more oxygen and more estrogen to heighten sensitivity, they have, may take longer to get there, but they have much bigger, more explosive orgasms. And, but anyways, so these women will have a, very, uh, a lot of blood flow throughout their body, typically in a pelvic area, and then they do some strong crunch work. That is invariably, if it's going to happen, when it will happen. So if if we do, you know, our little count on that, we have orgasm, we have fantasy, we have zone, blended, anal, AFE, our our anterior phonics erotic zone, G-spot, urethra, clitoris, breast nipple, and kissing. So that's 11, 11 different types that women can have. For men, they can do, have the same thing with the kissing, with breasts, I know one man who, he, that's his favorite thing, and he likes really, really firm. Now, does everyone have this happen? No. But for those people who do, I want them to be validated. Uh, the, obviously, penile, the, the penile glands, then for men, their G-spot is prostate. And the prostate, the reason prostate massage works so powerfully for men, the nerves on, the, on either side of the prostate, those are the nerves that control the ability to have an erection, and that's part of the, the pelvic hypogastric nerve system. Pudental nerve system for men, same way for women, it's the clitoris, is the penis, and going down from the penis to the scrotal sac. But once you go interior for a man, if he's using um, a prostate massage toy, it is those nerves Create the ability to get an erection, which is why we have nerve-sparing surgery if a man has to have a prostatectomy. So, and men also will have anal orgasms, you know, strictly from uh, uh, anal play. We, they have blended, they have zone, and they have orgasms. And also, for both sexes, they have fantasy orgasms, meaning they can, in essence, think off. And that is, I remember one friend of mine going like this, whoa, where's that class? I want to know about that one. And I said, well, and for the people who can do it, they've literally been able to do this inside of a clanging, you know, MRI machine in a lab, and they've been able to bring themselves to orgasm. And what they've looked at is the scans, the brain scans, of when this is happening. So we're coming up to our next break here So for women, we have 11 different types. For men, we have nine. Just because they've got all their stuff kind of like in one place, we get to have things spread out a little more. And when we come back, I'll talk about some of the things that aren't so great about orgasm, although the majority is, and then we will go on and have further discussions about sex in the news. Please stay with me. I'll be right back.
0: This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Padgett. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Welcome to TogiNet, radio with a cutting edge. This is the TogiNet
1: Radio Network the cutting edge.
2: Valentine's Day has been celebrated in different ways around the world. In Italy, one tradition suggests that the first man a single woman sees on Valentine's Day was the man she would eventually marry. What's a word for the first person you see after you leave the house in the morning? A qual tag. In South Africa, some women pin the name of their love interest on their shirt sleeves, following an ancient Roman tradition known as Lupercalia. This is how South African men learn of their secret admirers. In America, it is widely believed that if women don't receive a gift of candy, flowers, or a card from their guy on Valentine's Day, he's probably going to get dumped. This is usually the cause for a charrette or an 11th hour effort by men to buy their woman a Valentine's gift. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for
0: Word. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health, so you can finally ask that question be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. And
1: now, back to your host,
0: Lou Paget.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. So before the break, I talked about, I described the different types of orgasms that women and men are both capable of having. Women, 11 different types. For men, 9. Now, here's another thing that people will often ask about. The, you know, how does a woman um, have multiple orgasms? And both, you know, you know, and I'm using male and female anatomy as gender discussion here. I'm not saying, you know, that, you know, whether someone is interested in being straight, gay, bi, bisexual, queer, asexual. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the capability of that type of tissue to respond, period. You know, and as I say, for the women's seminar, men can come to the seminar as well, and they get the information for their male partners. I mean, as I say, if you have the body, if you have the, you know, functional body part, the information is transferable. It doesn't care who you fall in love with or who you're interested in. Now, multiple orgasms. Some people have them um, after a period of time where they get to know one another's, you know, bodies, and they are aware of what is working. But the important thing to know about multiple orgasms is for women... There are three different types. Now, imagine a pearl necklace, okay? Now, you know how you've seen a pearl necklace where there's a pearl, then there's a drop of a chain and a pearl, and then a drop of a chain and another pearl? So that is one type of multiple orgasm for women. But the real definition for women is more than one orgasm in the same lovemaking event. So that lovemaking event or having sex event may be um, five minutes, it may be 40 minutes, it may be 25, there isn't a specific time that states, oh, well, you have now fallen out of the, nope, sorry, you can't qualify that as a multiple orgasm, it's outside of the boundary, that's not the case, it's if, because here's what happens for women, once they're highly aroused, the pelvic You know, the the pelvic genital region is engorged with blood. And women do not go through what is referred to as the refractory phase that men have happen, which is why they lose their erection. So the multiple orgasm definition for men is not about, you know, the same lovemaking, having sex event. It's more than one orgasm with the same erection. So what that means is often... What men have learned how to do is to control the, uh, as one guy says, slam on the brakes, so that there isn't the ejaculation, but their body builds and there is an orgasmic wave that they experience, and then they can go on to have an ejaculatory orgasm should they choose to do so. Now, I will share with you that I had a yoga teacher one time who was very much bragged about his um, yogic ejaculatory control so that he did not have ejaculating orgasms with his wife. And that was their, you know, what they used as, pardon me, his girlfriend. That's what they used as their form of birth control. Well, hmm, I know, it only takes one sperm, and sure enough, so here's the thing thinking that there isn't going to be any sperm in those first drops, you know, that may be from being highly stimulated. Oh, yes, there are. And sure enough, she got pregnant, and they got married. Now, did they stay married? I have no idea. But his thing of using uh, yogic control for birth control, it's kind of like the rhythm method, <laughs> It doesn't always work a girlfriend of mine. Because what happens for the rhythm method with women is a woman can be uh, very well aware of where her, uh, when she uh, ovulates, I mean, most women can feel it. I mean, sometimes it feels like, oh, you just got punched in the stomach. It's not comfy. And, I mean, you can literally feel the, you know, the rupture of the, uh, of the egg Coming out and, it's, and, and it hurts. But what women also are aware of is the sort of like egg white um, discharge that they get. And that is also, that is from the cervical, that's the cervical mucosa being released. That means, okay, time to be very careful. But what also happens is that if a woman is highly stimulated, she may know when she typically um, cycles, but she can cycle and she can, she can cycle out of her normal realm if she's highly stimulated. There we go. Mother Nature is wanting to make sure that things happen. <laughs> so multiple orgasms for women, well, they can be a uh, minute apart. They can be, there may be a drop in sensation and then another build up to it. Or for some women, it may be something that it feels like one long, long, long orgasm because there's never any drop off of it. So, think of the pearl necklace again. One of them would be a pearl, a drop down in a chain, pearl, drop down in a chain. The next one would be, and and the drop down is where there's a drop in sensation. The next one would be an orgasm, continued sensation, and then another orgasm, then uh, no drop in sensation, another orgasm. And invariably, these are as a result of maintaining the stimulation, whether it is coming back and using a vibrator again or using a, you know, oral and then going on to particular, the women, a woman is typically going to orgasm most easily when she's on top because she's controlling the motion. Or then there's the final type of multiple orgasm for women where it's like a solid pearl necklace and it just feels like, again, one long orgasm. There was a woman who wrote a book about, you know, the the one-hour orgasm. Now, I look like that and more than more than one woman or man say, "Who wants to have an orgasm for an hour? Really? I mean, who has that much time?" And I said, "Well, the people who wrote about it—it it was a woman who was very highly and easily orgasmic, and that's, you know—she wrote about her experience and then told everybody they were supposed to have her experience." And That's where I say, no, people should be allowed to have their own and not be told that they're supposed to be having your orgasms. Forget that. Now, that one long orgasm is not the same thing as what they call persistent sexual arousal, PSA. And that is something that both women and men can have happen. And it's not great to constantly be having orgasms all day. It is persistent genital arousal is another term for it. But this is something that it really gets in the way of their day-to-day life. And, I mean, and when I first started into doing my seminars, I remember a woman saying to me, this is what's happening. And she said, it is awful. She said, I know people will think, oh, how great. She said, it's not great. And she said, it's literally... I'm, I'm walking and I'm having an orgasm or I'm sitting in a, you know, I'm sitting in a meeting, in a business meeting, and it's not great. And the same thing can also happen to men as a result of injury. And there's things where people may be able to take some form of medication to drop off the sensitivity, but it really is something that, it, it's, not, it's not a fabulous thing to have happen to you. So, talked about multiple orgasms talked about the different types of orgasms and the oh and here's the other one the simultaneous orgasm that's something that again for longer term couples or you know someone who is able to really read someone's body well that is more of a tantric style and it's a big for for some people it's what they you know want to be able to do so that they can, you know, they, they can pleasure one another at the same time. But if that's what you're doing, you might be putting too much pressure on yourself. What I ask people to do is, look, whatever's going to work for you, and again, that thing of thinking that people down the street are having a lot more sex than you are, they may not be, okay? <laughs> like they really may not be to the extent that... Uh, There's two things that people typically lie about. The amount of sex they're having and how much money they have in the bank. So if you know that people don't tell the truth about money, they really don't tell the truth about sex. And they will tell me because I'm not a therapist. Many times they won't be as forthcoming with a therapist if they think they're going to get judged. And my feeling about anything that someone does sexual is, look, if this is... You know, if this is a, there's permission, there's no coercion, there's no pressure, someone's not under the influence of something, and you are adults or, you know, you're similar age and you're doing something, that's a normal sexual experience. And no one can tell you what your sex is going to be like. Only you. So when you are, you know, when someone is saying, You're watching one of these videos and they're saying, well, you should be doing this and then you should be doing that. Here's the other thing. You don't know what has happened to a new partner in previous situations. I know of some men who will not ejaculate inside of a woman as a result of being trapped into a marriage because of a pregnancy. And this woman said, you know, I don't know what to do. He says he loves me very much, I, you know, but she said... He will not ejaculate inside of me. And he would not even, when she was performing oral sex on him, She would not, he would not um, come in her mouth. And, I mean, she wanted him to, but he said, no, no, I, I, I have to do it. So they would have sex, and he would always pull out. And he'd have to have a condom on, but he would not come inside of her. And again, sometimes, here's the thing, every one of the cells in your body Pick up on every single thought that you're thinking. Please remember that. So when you are, if you had something happen when you were younger, your cells still remember it. And one area that really remembers everything is in the pelvis. And that is why when people are doing yoga and things, they sometimes will have a release and things will come out and they'll start crying and they won't expect it. It's because it's really buried... But if it's buried and protected, it can be released, and to acknowledge it, to move on from it. We're coming up to my final break, and when I come back, I'm going to be talking about sex in the news. We'll move on from orgasms and go to sex in the news, and sex that I've seen in what is referred to as the European adult news. I will be back after these tunes.
2: I called my computer helpline because I felt an overwhelming need to be made to feel ignorant by someone much younger than me. Hey, I know a few things about computers. The term reboot actually originates from the Middle Ages when horses who stopped mid-stry required a reboot to the hoof to start again. A kiminagi is another name for a device that saves you time and labor such as a computer. Because my computer issue couldn't be resolved over the phone, they sent a bobby dazzler over to have a look. The technician informed me that it appeared my computer had been shaken or dropped. Or as the Scottish say, misguggled. Whoops. Did I mention I have a bit of a temper when things aren't working right? It's I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
1: With quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio.
0: Welcome to Tokinet, cutting-edge radio. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health, so you can finally ask that question—be it function, sensation, or something you've heard. This is the spot. Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget.
1: Welcome back, everyone. So in this section, what I'd like to talk about is sex in the news. So what I, I attend on, you may have heard me speak about this, the adult novelty show. The A-N-M-E, Adult Novelty Manufacturers Expo. And what I find interesting is, because in essence this is a trade show for sex toys, and what I find and I'm finding trend-wise is that many areas are trying to go into sex education as opposed to just, you know, developing toys. For example, Cal Cal Exotics. Have decided that they're going to do an area where they're going to talk about pelvic floor health. So they made a number of different uh, products, which are similar products to what they already have in their line. They made those and said that they're specifically for the uh, the use of in uh, pelvic floor strengthening, treatments, etc. Well, you know, if you walk a little further down their display, you're going to see it there with, you know, another name on it and a different packaging. So it's kind of like when you go to the grocery store. You know you're going to find water in a number of different places. You know you're likely to find certain things if, you know, there's an area where there's uh, cooking that has more of a, of a Latin, you know, Focus on it. You're going to find a range of things there. But then you might find those same cans of things in another area where it just says veggies, right? Similar thing. So what they're trying to do is just market again, but they're trying to find new trends. <clears throat> and I also see that when I look at the uh, things that are coming out from the uh, pornographers who basically have had almost their entire business model massacred as a result of the Internet. So just to give you an example, one of them is called Vivid. Vivid, apparently, and that's Steve Hirsch. Apparently, Vivid is no longer even doing films because of how ubiquitous the ability for, whether it's amateur porn, whether it is everything is available on the Internet, no one has to buy anything. They used to have a sole you know, distribution uh, thing that they were the only show in town doing things. Uh Uh-uh. And the other thing that's happened is all of the cam girls who have created their own market. And I was listening to, it was a, I was reading an article by a gentleman who is a, he himself does um, adult work out of Florida, which is a much smaller market than here in Southern California. But he said, it's like, you know, they're like down over the last 10 years. They're down 75% to the point where unless you are someone who has your own, you've you've created your own audience and you have your own followers who ask, you know, and here's what the cam girls do. They will do exactly, they will be much more interactive with their audience, their audience audience may say, I want a private session with you, and I want you to do bleep, bleep, and bleep. Well, there's no way Steve Hirsch is going to get his, uh, uh, you know, his hands on one dime of that money that's flowing to those girls now. He can't make a living any longer. And what this other gentleman was saying is that for the professionals who had been in the area of uh, adult work, he said, he said, I don't know any of the women who aren't uh, prostituting now. So they would be doing work, uh, whether it is, you know, as a, uh, for escort work or whatever it may be, that is, he said, they literally cannot make a living if they're trying to go through the typical work for a uh, porn manufacturer. And I see that in where they are coming into uh, products and toys, and putting their name behind a toy or a product and saying so and so uses this, or showing her on the package using it. But what the real the real money right now is the cam girls, and they are able to control their own audience and make make basically their own. Uh, They make their income solely goes right into their bank account. I love that. Now, interesting. I found this thing that's called Human Sexuality News. Okay. So I jump on and I look at it. And there's Emily Ratajkowski falls victim to fresh hack with 200 nude photos. People, I'm going to tell you something. You have got to be aware that when you sign up for a free app, read what that app is getting access to on your system. Read it. Don't just say, oh, free app, let me just download it. That's how they're able to hack in. They're able to go into everyone's your photos, your emails, every single thing, all the people who are your contacts. That's why they're free, because they are in essence harvesting all of your contacts and information and photos. Hello? Knock, knock. Don't do this. Well, you can if you want to. And you know one of the most downloaded, I mean this was from a couple of years ago, was Angry Birds. Everyone was playing, you know, Angry Birds. Hmm. Anyways, we have here uh, an article that I think, you know, we, we say that people have a talk with their children about sexuality no, they don't. No, they, re- they really don't. And you have to have a talk with your sexual partner wherever you are in your life. And whether it is you're being sexual or not being sexual, emotionally connected, not being emotionally connected. But we are failing teenagers right now with the outdated sex education that's being given to them. And it's being given in a way that is designed to scare them. And, I mean, let's be honest. Mother Nature put together the sex drive. And as I say to people, if I were going to bet on whether or not say no or Mother Nature, I'm not an idiot. I'm voting on Mother Nature. She's had a long time to put this into place. And she knows that this is, you know, what people are interested in. The other thing that we see happening and coming forward is the early maturation of girls. And if you understand that the growth hormones that are put into food, where do you think they end up if they're into a commercial food production? Growth hormones into chicken or beef. Also, the other thing you need to be aware of, 70 80% of all antibiotics in this country are used in commercial food production. That's why we have so many issues with people having antibiotic resistant diseases. Hello, the thing that's what I'm telling you about at the beginning, your food is your drug. So try and get something that does not is not treated with antibiotics. Get organic, get foods that are going to be kind to your body because your body can heal itself but you need to give it the right food to do so. Anyway, so when we are looking at girls who are having an early maturation, they're not old enough to know how to put, you know, things into place for proper boundaries. And I use the example of a girlfriend of mine who had a very good-looking son who was quite tall for his age. At the time, he was, I guess he was probably around 11 He looked like he was about 14, 15, and uh, because he had also uh, a very angular face, so he didn't have like a little round baby face. And he, uh, again, good-looking kid. He's with his mother, they're at the bank. And the teller, without realizing what she was doing, looked at him and said, oh my God, you have the most beautiful skin. Well, she may have thought she was saying something that would be highly flattering. He was so skeeved out. He was like, and my friend was like shocked. And he was like, oh, I mean, that was just so disgusting for him to hear coming from her. And she was, and I talked to her the next day, and I said, you know, the thing is, and I said, does he have a girlfriend? She goes, no, he hates girls. I said, look, you've got to have the conversation with him that he has to be able to know how to put the boundaries in place because... The girls now are so aggressive towards good-looking boys, like massively aggressive. And I said, he needs to know that he can put the boundaries in place. And, again, that's part of talking to your children for the girls to say, look, you know, you can tell someone, hey, I think you're nice and, you know, be nice to get together maybe. However, saying, you know, pulling up your – I mean, I know one young man who had this happen – She's at a party, and this girl jumps up on the uh, washing machine, pulls up her skirt, you know, she has no underwear, and says, you can have this at any time. Well, do you think he'd really want it? Uh, He has a girlfriend, and it's kind of like, you know, (laughs) 50% of the population has one of those. Why is this one so intriguing? What makes something intriguing is the other part of the package. But what I want people to know is that you have to, be able to be comfortable talking about whether or not you have sexual pain, you have sexual anxiety, you're not interested, uh, that you'd like to do, try something new, maybe you'd like to try a toy. You're, having the sexual talk is something that occurs throughout your life. And when I look at this, you know, the human sexuality news, I see here are the five most orgasmic pregnancy positions that every couple must try. Some people want to try them, some people don't. And 10-bedroom, notice how they always have little numbers in them? (laughs) 10-bedroom positions, all plus-size couples should master. Well, really in all actuality, if it's something that's working for you, it's working for you. If you like to have some new ideas, that's a great idea too. But please be careful, people, when you're downloading apps. Read what the conditions are. If they're going to start harvesting all your information, you might want to be careful about where you download it to because it will get to where all your private photos are. We're coming down to our final minute here. Um, thank you for being with me. We talked about different types of orgasms, and then we talked about the things that are, you know, that they can get in your way of them, you know, the persistent genital arousal, having the talk, being someone who wants to connect with someone. That's the really big thing. And not just because someone has operational body parts, but when you fall for someone and you find their brain interesting, the rest of them is going to follow right along behind that. That's Your brain's your largest sexual organ. It is the one that's the most powerful. I hope you have a lovely week, and I look forward to speaking with you next week. Here come the tunes.
0: for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with host Lou Paget. Every week this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget.